Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jamie Baines. Today's guest is Timothy Walker, a former Richmond police detective and current music producer, graphic artist, business owner, I can't pronounce entrepreneur, and all-around great guy. Check out our interview and let me know what you think. And welcome back to the podcast. Today's guest is Tim Walker, formerly of the Richmond Police Department. How are you doing, Tim? Doing good, Jamie. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Can you give us a little background about, number one, you recently retired from the police department, correct? That's correct, yep. And how long are you with RPD for? Oh, wow. So um, I came <laughs> on RPD. Uh, so this will be the short, long version, I guess. Uh, I came on RPD back in 1990, um, straight out of high school. Um, at the time, my mother, uh, she was working for Kent Ryan, who was the uh, public safety director at the time. And the public sa- safety director position back then was in charge of uh, fire and police. And I, I think they kind of phased that out. But um, yeah, yeah, right out of high school. And, and uh, when I graduated, kind of kind of needed something to do. So my mom was like, hey, you know, just see if you can uh, apply for this police support officer position, which I did. Uh-huh. And I wound up getting hired as a police support officer back in 1990. Um, so I came on as that and back then the jobs, I mean, the, um, what we did as police support officers back then, we just wrote parking tickets downtown in the downtown area. And we did all the traffic assignments, like the Christmas parade, the autumn festival parades at the time. And then we did street cleaning, towing or whatever, you know, so, um, did that up until I went to the Academy in 1996. Okay, and then you um, became a that's, that's when you became a sworn officer, right? Exactly, I became a, a sworn officer. Went through the seventy fifth uh, Police Academy in nineteen ninety six and graduated that. Um, I want to say graduated that February ninety seven and came on the streets at that time. And where was your first assignment? So my first assignment, I was over at Third Precinct, a patrol officer. I was on patrol in. I want to say it was beat 318 right around the third precinct um, area, Idlewood area. I uh, did that for maybe like a year before I went upstairs to the street enforcement side of the, um, well, yeah, the street enforcement unit, which will actually be the uh, FMTs of today, I guess would be. And uh, yeah, yeah. And that was my second assignment was street enforcement, uh, working under Sergeant McNamara, who was, became my, actually my mentor at that time. I was, really really kind of learned a lot of my police techniques and <laughs> and just kind of <laughs> yeah i learned a lot from mcnamara in terms of his way of policing and um yeah man it just yeah rocked on with that until i um, went to narcotics in 2000 and then how long did you stay in narcotics for the rest of your career or would you go from there yeah man i was like the jurassic narc man i was like <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. From 2000 to my retirement in, in 2021. So yeah, wow, that's yeah. a long, long <laughs> time to be in narcotics. Absolutely, man. But it was a long, great time, and it was it was kind of divided because um, I was in narcotics. Um, I want to say maybe five, six years before I went out to DEA. Then I was on a DEA task force for like 14 years. So, wow. um, I think, yeah. So I think I hold the record of both of those assignments. <laughs> <laughs> so worldwide, probably. <laughs> most definitely worldwide. Well, did you enjoy your time with the Richmond Police Department? 
Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any regrets in anything that I did. Um, any assignments, man. It was, it was, it was great, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. And it, it was hard to leave, but it was time to leave. If that makes any sense, you know. <laughs> well, let me, and I want to let me ask you the the the, um, the events of 2020 with the riots in Richmond and the did that have any any impact at all on your decision to leave or on what you were doing or did that did that change your outlook at all about police work or the way that I guess police officers were, were being represented? Not really, Jamie. I mean, um, it was different. Uh, don't get me wrong. It was definitely different. It was it was challenging. It was way more than I had actually put up with, you know, throughout my police career. But it, it wasn't a decision breaker. Um, I guess the reason why I retired is because, of course, I had the time. I mean, 31 years of doing anything. You just want to kind of do <laughs> something else. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, but no, I, I wouldn't say that that was now. You know, overall, yeah, policing had changed um, a lot. You know, from the beginning um, of, and you know, both of our careers, um, it was what we would say. Quote: It was a lot more fun back in the day than what it was. But I, I don't. I, I was kind of um, talking to my wife about that uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if it was more fun back then, or if it was just the time just went past where it was. You know, maybe it was fun in my youthful years, and it, it probably still is now. But <laughs> but when I retired, it was just not. You know, it, it wasn't the way it was when we first came on. And how about Richmond itself? Are you a native Richmonder? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty much, I graduated from uh, Huguenot High School, went through Richmond um, RPS schooling uh, my whole um, life, pretty much. And um, Richmond itself was, um, yeah, I mean, Richmond has changed. I mean, um, and it's a swinging pendulum. You know, like when I first came on, the level of violence to where it was back then it was real i mean it was rowdy back then when i first came out mm-hmm. um when we were talking about some of the street gangs like the the browns the flax and things like that it was a violent time right off of um the whole crack cocaine era um and then when i came on the police force it was starting to slow down a little bit you know mm-hmm. and then like here recently i'm kind of looking at some of the stats and the homicides and now it seems like it's back up on the upswing so it's just it just goes back and forth man you know so but richmond itself man i i, I mean beautiful city here all my life just yeah yeah i i, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else honestly and then how about the people? Do you think, um, and people said, you know, we became kind of the focal point a lot of times of what was going on last summer. How do you see the, uh, like, the racial relationships between the city? Do you, do you think that there's a huge issue, there's not an issue? What are your, your views on it? Um, when it comes to race relations, it, it, it sort of goes, I guess, both ways in that, too, because I think a lot of, what we've seen now um, is more based upon social media, of course, you know, now everything's body cam, everything, everything is going to be video, you know, so, um, but the actual race between um, policing and the community, honestly, I don't think it has changed much since I came out. You know, um, of course, I'm speaking in a different position because I was tucked away in narcotics for 20 years. So, right. <laughs> so my my outlook on it may be a little bit different from a uniform officer because they're out there daily, you know, constantly working the streets, which my hat completely goes off to anybody that's um, does that. But from my perspective, from a narcotics detective's 
perspective, I don't think the race really changed, you know, really. And, you know, since I was there, you know, um, actually, I thought I think in a lot of sense, um, um, it got better because of our leadership. You know, our leadership, I think, was had got better over the years, of course, and with technology and things Mm -hmm. that it kind of brought law enforcement up, not just in the Richmond Police Department, but, you know, worldwide. I mean, when technology, when we started getting computers in the cars and things like that, and then uh, when I really started seeing the community aspect of it for like our community officers actually going in to the communities and we were doing these uh, picnics and cookouts and things, you know, in that um, aspect of it all, I really, really think it really, really changed for the better, you know? So, um, I mean, and that's just my opinion. I mean, that's, you know, like I said, that's sure. from, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, everything, I think both, since both you and I were there, Richmond has seemed to always engage with the community as far as community. Pol- I remember back in the Academy, it had been really pushing police, um, community relations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I really enjoy seeing, do you think, um, do you still think law enforcement is a noble profession? Would you still recommend people going into it? Yeah, um, only if your heart is in it. Um, I, I would say um, because I have a, uh, two sons, and if you know, I don't discourage them from doing it. You know, if if your heart is really into it, do it. Do not do it for the money. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you're really going to have to have the heart and the personality to really, really deal with, you know, the um, you know situation that you're going to be involved in, in every day. So um, do it because that's what you that, that's what you're driven to do. If it's if it's a calling, uh, police work. You know, enough. To tell people this a lot of, you know that police work is a calling i mean it's a calling just like being a, a minister or a doctor or whatever like that mm-hmm. if you have if you have that calling do it you know and don't let anything else discourage you from it you know but um but just be mindful that um you know if you're not cut out to do it just don't do it because you need a job <laughs> right right absolutely that's very good very good advice very good advice now let's talk about post police because you retired um, bittersweet retiring. Did you, uh, was it a hard decision for you to make? Um, in some perspectives it was, um, uh, because of the camaraderie, the brotherhood of, of, you know, my, the unit, the, mm-hmm. the guys I always say that, you know, our man, I miss the guys every day, just the, the, the shop talk and things like that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I don't really miss the job if, if that makes any sense because, mm-hmm. um, the, the hands-on every day, you know, dealing with informants, informants or, or, you know, calling you all hours of the night, you know, and it just, it's just, yeah, that part of it, um, I don't miss, you know, but it was definitely bittersweet if, if that answers your, your question. Um, just some, some of the things I do miss about it, but some of the things I don't, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's absolutely a fair answer, absolutely fair. Now, so what have you started doing now? This is something... Um, that you were doing a little bit when you were with the police department. What are you doing full-time now? So um, I am a full-time musician, full-time um, DJ. Um, and what I do is I have a recording studio that I actually started maybe 12 years ago now. And so it, it was towards the end of my police career that I was doing it part-time, building it up to, you know, be – um, be in a position where I can just move transition from one career to the next mm-hmm. when I retired and I did so. So my recording studio, I'm located over in North Chesterfield, Virginia, um, right off of Providence and Midlothian Turnpike. 
I've been in this building going on eight years now. And um, yeah, and I, I record. I, I'm a producer. I produce music for other artists. Uh, um, and then I also DJ on the weekend. I'm, I'm a part of a, a wedding company, um, M2M Weddings. And what we do, I, I DJ for that company on the weekends. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of my main two. And then I do graphic designs and do t-shirt designs and things like that. I'm also, um, that's a sub, um, company of the, of my studio. So yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what I'm involved in. How did you get involved in that? How did you become, start become a music producer? Oh, wow. So even throughout high school and even as a, a, a police support officer, I was always a, a DJ, you know. So uh, when I graduated from high school, came on to the police department, I was still doing these gigs when, even when I was 19 years old, from 19 until I went to the academy full-time pretty much. Well, I want to say part-time uh, um, outside my support officer duties. I was just a DJ and got into music production back then. Uh, me and my brother, we had a hip-hop group called Hello and funny story not to go off track but uh we put out a, a vinyl record back in 1995 uh, it was called Rock On um and um yeah we put it out maybe 150 copies of this vinyl record uh and we did a couple of shows and uh, we were looking at um getting signed on a major record deal at one time you know but things just kind of uh went a different way but here recently like last year it was a company out in Belgium um, back to the source records, uh, where actually they go and they look for uh, vintage vinyl from like unsigned artists. And th th these th vinyl pieces become, I mean, huge. I mean, we have like one of our records where it was in California at the price tag of $350. Just, <laughs> what? <laughs> really? Yeah, 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 just one piece of vinyl. So when um, our vinyl was being rediscovered, you know, um, the, the company from Belgium, they called and it was like, hey, do you, would y'all want to sign a deal where we can re-release your vinyl um, for a limited edition? Uh, we was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. You know, so, <laughs> so yeah, so about this time last year, they re-released 300 more copies of it and, and actually it sold out in one day, completely what? sold out. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, pre-orders and everything, you know. So it was just like, my 25 years ago from an investment that we we invested in, and now it's been picked up. And you know, it, it was just amazing, man. You know, so that, that's just a side note of, of how things, you know, kind of turned around on that end. But yeah, so to go back, you know, so I was producing music back then with DJing and, and all that, and then I got um, back into DJing, you know, later on in, into my police. Career was still uh, kind of doing it as more of a wedding DJ and uh, none of the club stuff because you, you know what goes on in the club as a police officer. <laughs> there might be a little bit of violence or, or some other stuff. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Somebody might get shot. So yeah. I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> you know what? That's, that's, so, that's so much the police perspective. <laughs> the only a police officer would think like that, but yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, so so nothing like that, you know. So I was just more of a wedding DJ towards the, the last uh, few years of, of me being on the police force, and then yeah, and then I just right moved right back into the DJing part of it, and then the music part came on um, again. And I'm still, like I said, from that point on, still working with artists, still producing them, and and things like that. Um, got some really good talent coming through here, a lot of good talent, you know. So I stay busy. And what what does a producer do? Because is it is it different than actually being a musician and making the music, or what? So 
as a what does a I guess a producer do? So a producer can uh, well my role as a producer. What I do is um, if I have an artist that they're looking for, whether it's hip hop or R and B, because that's kind of my specialties. Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking for original music uh, where they don't have to go online and, and purchase the music or whatever like that. Uh, I, I sit down and I see their and I listen to their vision of how they want to. Um, put this music out, how they wanted to sound, you know, the tempo, the the overall sound. Yeah, and I, and I just sit down and I come up with the the concept for how the music composition should go along with what they want to um, produce, um, put out as a song. And yeah, and we just collaborate that way. Uh, sometimes, excuse me. Sometimes I I actually make. Compos- music composition on my own and um and then i present it to them and, and it, so it could be like a music track and then i present it to them let them listen to it and it was like okay yeah i like that song i want to write to it so it can go both ways you know so um and then um then from that point on once they either write to it or we collaborate and they uh write their music to it then i bring them into the studio and just, we just yeah we record vocals whereas whether it's singing or hip-hop and um yeah and and just just go from there so a lot of the artists that i do work with are like independent artists and um which is common nowadays in the music industry Mm -hmm. a lot of artists are are just moving and and producing their own music putting it out on itunes apple music spotify and things like that you know so then once the music composition is complete you know we we just post it on um line whether they go through my company or whether they do it themselves to put it put their music out there you know and then um then a subcategory of my music production is i also do music videos so some of my clients come through i have a full package for them where i can produce some music i can mix and master it for them and we can shoot a music video and um yeah yeah and then um, just put it out there yeah and now are you constantly um, changing and like you said, you go from you know you're putting independent music out there, now you're making videos. Do you have to stay fluid in the job that you do so you keep up with everything going on? Oh yeah, absolutely, man. It's 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 never ending, even in terms of the sound and the technology. Um, so music. When I first started years ago, music was all analog. Well, well, mostly analog was phasing into more of the digital world. But now everything that's digital, you know, um, you know, there's so much that you have to learn in terms of the software now. That years ago it used to be, you really need to know your techniques for um for analog gear you know but now it's just you know really um you know you can do a lot on your laptop these days you know um but you still kind of have to know what you're doing you know so um so it's 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 a constantly thing and it's and i'm always always looking to get better you know so i never feel that i'm to the point where you know yeah this is it you know i can't go any further you know it's always something that's going to be you know experiment with new sounds you know combining some of the analog gear with the digital world and you know things like that so it's it's a it's a constant um it's a constant hustle (laughs) (laughs) and do you think do you do you like the fact that that there are more independent musicians doing their own thing as opposed to trying to get a contract with a major label 
Yes, yes, because uh, it's, it's starting to build and it has started to build more entrepreneurship in the, mu- in the music industry, where years ago you had to completely rely on a company to put out your vinyl or your CDs or whatever like that. Um, now, you can, if, if you have an entrepreneurial mind, uh, mindset, you can do everything yourself, you know, and, um, and you can do it well, you know. So uh, if, if you have that drive to entrepreneurship and um, but of course, you need the talent. <laughs> Right. You know, so, so so actually, let me go back further. Let me go back. You need talent first. Number one, that's your base. Number that's your foundation. One, your foundation is you need to be be good at what you're doing. And then um, then you have that business mind and the entrepreneurship behind it is even great. Now, you know, now sometimes you get artists that are the full package. They can do it all themselves. But then sometimes you get the ones that just have the talent, but they need to rely on other people to do the other things, which is completely fine, completely fine. You know, just uh, however you, you do it. Um, I always tell people if you want to do it all, your, all yourself, you know, it takes longer because if you, you build up a team, if you build up a team that, you know, this person can handle your social media, this person can handle, you know, getting your music out uh, digitally and things like that. And all you have to do um, is focus on putting out your good music as, a, as, as I mean, um, putting your talent out um, with good music, then you don't have to worry about all the, you know, the, the, the rest of it, then that's a better situation. I think, you know, um, I kind of, kind of stress that, you know, build up a team, you know, and let, you know, people do some of the things that you can't do. Do you find that, um, newer artists who come to you, do they know what they're looking for? Like when you're, when you're talking to them about the kind of the, um, the music that they want, do they know, do they have a general idea and are they able to present it to you or do you have to kind of nudge them a little bit since you have much more experience? Um, it can, well, newer orders, um, it just kind of is it's that level of creativity and that level of talent. You know, I kind of always say I, I have some new artists. Um, perfect example. Um, David Torrance is a, a third precinct officer and I've been producing his daughter since she was 16 and she just turned 18. Um, perfect example of somebody that comes in and knows exactly what she wants. I mean, even <laughs> at that young young age, she uh-huh. knows exactly, exactly what she wants. I can sit down and then I can uh, just hear, you know, what direction she wants to go go with. I'll, I'll do the music and then she loves it, you know. So so that's a perfect example. But then I have some people that's in their 30s and 40s they come here and don't know, you know. So it just kind of <laughs> depends on the the level of a person. Uh, talent and creativity you know so it's just it's just one of those things that you know um yeah as as a producer you have to be first of all patient because you know some (laughs) (laughs) yeah some 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 projects are going to be challenging some projects are not some you know every uh, project or every talent you work with is not going to be easy you know so that's just one of the things that yeah you just can't pull the rest of your hair out on sometimes (laughs) but (laughs) it really sounds like you love what you do I do, man. I tell you, yeah. It comes yeah. across in your voice and the way you talk about it. It's just, uh, do you think was that? Did, did your did the same passion affect police work too, or did I mean because or both? I mean, did you, did you love police work as much as you love your music, or what do you think? I think it was an equal balance. It was an equal balance for a long time up until and and you know how it gets that. 25th I know. year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, when you can start seeing the light in the tunnel, it's just like you get to the point where it's like, oh, okay, I'm, ca- I'm counting these days down. But uh, earlier on in my police career, um, yeah, man, I was, I was 
completely passionate about it, man. And, um, and yeah, yeah. So, um, the, the same, and actually police work has given me the drive that I think I wouldn't have in, in the music business. Um, if I didn't have police work, you know, in terms of, you know, dealing with, you know, uh, adjusting myself as opposed to trying to adjust somebody else, you know what I mean? So, um, uh, so when I'm working with the artist, I try to adjust my personality, I try to adjust my uh, way of doing things to suit them, you know, because um, um, I, I try to, to treat, you know, normal people like superstars. And when I meet a superstar, <laughs> so I try to treat them like a normal person. <laughs> very, <laughs> <You know>? very. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it a lot the way the way you said that. Yeah. And you sound you're so you're so positive as well. Is that just your personality? Have you always been that way? I would say I have, yeah. I, I would say I have, and in, in anything I do, I, I, I look at on life as just, you know, let's pull out the positive and not the negative part of it. You know, there is a lot of negative uh, energy in this world, so you know, I don't want to um, cater to that. You know, I rather, I rather find the good in everything that I try to do. You know, so yeah, yeah, I try to do that. <laughs> well, that I can't sum it up any better than <laughs> the way you just did. Um, as we're closing out, what is the best way for people to find you? And I'll put links in the description as well. But um, do you have a website, um, your company? What's the best way? Yeah, so my, my website, you can um, you can log on to www.walkerstudios.biz. And the dot .biz is d, um, dot .biz. That's my website. Um, the best way now is to kind of reach me on Facebook and Instagram, of course. Uh, so on Instagram, you can reach me at, um, at Tim Pusha, T-I-M-P-U-S-H-A. And Tim Pusha is my DJ name. So, um, if you... <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the best way. Just log on, on to there. And then if you go on the Instagram, just click on my bio and that'll take you to the links of everything that, I'm, that I've done. Uh, recently for uh, whether it's video production, audio production, you'll see all the artists that I'm, I've been working with. Um, I got some really good things that's popping off in February that I don't really want to say a lot about because this just kind of came on last week. But um, next February, you'll probably see me a, a lot more in a national spotlight. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. So, and now so, will you, yeah. if people send you a message, are you – Pretty good about answering the messages they send them to you, or uh, absolutely, just um, you can you can direct message me either on Instagram or uh, Facebook, and on Facebook I'm Timothy Walker, and I, I want to say it's like a hyphen DJ Tim Pusha in there somewhere, or whatever like that. But if you Google my name DJ Tim Pusha, I'm all over the internet, so just <laughs> do that and you'll see where I'm at. <laughs> all right, Tim, man, thank you so much for being on. You're just like. You're fantastic. I like. I love your positivity and just everything you're doing. All right, Jamie. I appreciate you, man, and I love everything you're doing, man. We need more podcasts like this to express a law enforcement voice, man. So, yeah, my hat goes off to you too, bro. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, take care. All right, bye. That's it, guys. What do you think? Don't you enjoy listening to someone who is so positive and passionate about what they do? Despite being a police officer for over 30 years, he still maintains a sunny outlook on life. Since Tim's a music producer who focuses on hip-hop, I suppose this would be the part of the outro where I try to make an awkward and cringy rhyme. Not gonna happen. Take care of each other and stay positive. Thanks for listening.